Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above. And I'd like to say a huge welcome to our friends Pia and Colin Baird-Smith here with us today to talk about the Pleiadian Earth Energy Calendar. And I hope you all have your new 2021 calendar because that's what we're into now. It's January and we are today at the 13 Remembering. We are completing the first week, the first full week actually of the year and the first full week of this particular calendar today. Welcome Pia and Colin. It's great to see you too. Thank you. Always fun and delighted to be here. We love, yeah. we love this time we spend with you. It's, it's not only uplifting, but the information that you bring is amazing. And being able to share that with our information together makes a really powerful show together. Ah, thank you so much. And, you know, of course, we love the work that you're doing as well. And I really see you guys at this cutting edge. In fact, Pia, I was at some point in this year, I wanted to contact you and reach out because I think there's some way that you and I, we, the three, can bring this to another level for people. I don't know what that looks like though yet. I haven't gotten that part, but even people in my outer world, my, my customers and the, our listeners here are wanting more. And so uh, maybe at some point we can have a discussion about how we can do that I always am hesitant because this is not truly my work, but I love incorporating it into my work. And then I thought, well, maybe there's another way that we can, you know, work work it together. So understanding it, whatever we can do in collaboration. I yeah. Like the idea is to get people to be able to experience reality a different way, more in harmony with the real energies that are present. So yes, that sounds great. Wouldn't that be fun, right? We, I don't know what it is. And maybe you could put your thinking caps on or we could just open up and say, okay, what is it going to look like? And just act on it because it seems to be, I'm always shocked. And I don't know why I'm shocked, but I'm always pleasantly shocked and pleasantly surprised at how wise this calendar is and how it always seems to bring us the right message uh, at the right time. And uh, following its guidance, you know, from a day to day, from a week to week, uh, is is very profound. And then I always seem to see how it nicely dovetails with the regular astrology that I do, plus human design astrology. So, and we have a few days of some wonderful energy coming up. So, I, well, here's what I'd like to do: is have sort of a. a uh, retrospective of the week that began with one seeing and is ending today at 13 remembering. And there's a lot for us to remember, no doubt. And then the beautiful beginning of the week tomorrow. And then maybe us take a quick look at the inauguration day, January 20th, which as you just pointed out to me is five choosing. Interesting. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you chit chat about the, uh, the ending of the week and the beginning of the next week. Sure. Well, I want to say something just really briefly. What sure. you just said, what you just said, really encapsulates why we wanted to bring this calendar to the public. We we played with this. We we worked with this for so many years, mm -hmm. just in our own sense, just the two of us. And when we realized how accurate it was about melding regular astrology, Western astrology 
and what you said also a moment ago about it's interesting that that on any given day the energy that that the pleiadian calendar brings forward actually matches the energy of what's happening on that specific day yes. and when we, when we got that when we were really clear about that it was like a benchmark understanding for us that we need to share this with the public and thank you, for bringing, thank you for bringing that up because the accuracy is actually uncanny we think it's just amazing it is amazing and you know if you even go back to the day here in this country on january 6th where there was the insurrection that they're calling it now it was for self-regulating people out of control not regulating <laughs> I, I i mean if there's a chuckle about what was going on it's that there's this group of people that they they lost all sense of response and they were instead in reaction so again you know just looking at the calendar i could have predicted probably that something was up yes and probably because that was a four day it had to do with structure so they were all up in arms about the structure. It was not what they wanted it to be. Right. So it all, it all shows up exactly right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And of course, it's in that week anyway of one seeing where there was possibilities for rash decisions and actions. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly that that happened. And, you know, if we the more that we get to engage with this, I think the more we are able even to intuit, okay, where do we belong in this? Like, where do our actions go with this? Personally, you know, not just as a collective, but personally, what's our part, what's our role? And uh, how does it work for me? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I want to address your brainstorm brilliant idea that maybe we take this work to a deeper level and suggest that some of your listeners who are following our conversations may have some input and ideas about how they would like to see us or hear us Ooh. bring more information. So maybe they could email you or they could email me. My email is piaorlean at gmail.com. Don't forget the E at the end of my name. I'm going to go yeah. type that in for everybody. Yep. And Colin doesn't use internet at all, so I share the emails with him. Um, <laughs> through my email or they can email you. And if we get some ideas and put them together, maybe we can craft the next level from what people want to learn. I am exactly writing that to the next level. And oh, by the way, if you guys see me looking over at something, it's not me ignoring you. It's that there are a lot of people checking in with us this morning and lots of people checking in with us this morning. Good morning, Tom and JLo, Asa, Mimi, Tammy Smith, Cornelia. Good morning, Cornelia. Kathleen Mallory, Elisa, and Corlene says, Pia needs to speak louder. Pia needs to speak louder. How about I sit a little closer? Ah, maybe that would work. I hear you just fine. So, but maybe it's just not translating over. Debbie Tibbetts, to me all. Uh, everybody else is also saying the same thing that maybe just speak a little louder. And Cornelia says self-regulation, polarization, playing out the opposite. Ah, great, great comments. Good morning to everybody. If you guys have questions for Pia and Colin, please feel free to type them into the chat and Asa will get those to me. Uh, so that we can pass them on to Pia and to Colin. All right, I apologize for interrupting you there. So let's take us back to this energy that is beginning or ending today and the new one beginning tomorrow. 
We've been in a period of Western energy, which is an introspective period. Mm. There are several different ways to be introspective in a Western energy. The one that we have been in has been the energy of seeing, which is all about looking at the details of what's going on, like an eagle that can see all the way to the ground at the tiniest little detail. That energy is all about being able to see the little minutia that we need to see but not forgetting about how to put those details together to weave them together to create a new picture. So we have to see the details. We can't just gloss over them. And this 13 days has been about looking more astutely at the details of whatever it is we're exploring. It ends today on remembering another Western energy. The 13 day periods always begin and end in the same direction. And the energy today is remembering, which is a very peaceful energy. And the remembering energy is all about sort of settling into what if, if we look at the 13 that goes with it, the integration period, it's an opportunity to integrate all the details we've explored in the last 13 days, integrate them in a different mm -hmm. way and create a new picture. So that's, I love it. That's what today is all about. Tomorrow, we move into something completely different and a lot more exciting. Tomorrow we move into wait, a wait, exciting, good, right? Every Earth energy has a high vibration and a low vibration. That's true. Just like we were talking about what happened on self-regulating recently, that that can be the high vibration of let me get it together here. Things are out of balance, or it can be complete chaos, as we saw mm -hmm. what happened on January sixth. So. We'll start out talking about what's coming by saying it is a Southern energy, which is all about growth. And I think that's what all of your listeners want to know is how do I evolve? How do I grow? So a Southern energy is all about that growing. The energy specifically that we're stepping into is loving energy. That sounds all warm and fuzzy. But <laughs> It's really not warm and fuzzy. It's actually more like Mary Magdalene's energy. Uh, in fact, this energy is aligned with Venus, which has the morning star and the evening star. It's aligned with Mary Magdalene, which is standing up for love, but doing it with justice, a very strong feminine voice. And it's aligned with the Christ consciousness, that divine spark that lives within all of us. So it's a very auspicious, powerful period. It's not just a warm and fuzzy. It's an opportunity to grow. In growth, there is dynamic tension always there's dynamic tension within growth. Yes. That doesn't mean the world's going to fall apart in the next 13 days, but it means we can step into this period with an optimistic, positive attitude and say, we're expanding, we're growing. How do we do this in the way that we meet the tensions with more conscious awareness? So that's what we're stepping into. This, you want to say something? No, go ahead. This, this period really is all about recognizing that competition is not as good as cooperation and learning to cooperate with each other. So when the dynamic tension comes up, we can look and say, mm -hmm, I see that point of view. Here's <laughs> a perspective. Let's see how we can blend this together for the highest good. So this is about dynamic tension being held within the arms of love, unconditional love. And as it's a one day, it's a new beginning, a new opportunity to connect in that way. And because it's a one energy, that energy of loving will carry all through the 13 days, no matter what the other energy of each day is, 
there will be an undercurrent of this loving energy, holding it up, supporting it, encouraging it to grow. That's pretty profound if you think about it. The other thing, and I don't know, maybe you can help me make this seem a little bit clearer, but I get a distinctly Aquarian vibe from loving energy, from one loving energy, especially one loving, but all of the loving energies. And since we have so many planets right now stacking up in Aquarius, it does really seem to be pushing us to an evolution point. Do you feel that same way? Absolutely. 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 I, I, would, I would enhance the word evolution to evolution slash revolution. Ah, yes. Because this energy is going to allow us to be within the idea or the, the sense of love, but also see challenges in a dualistic way that they don't have to necessarily be negative nor challenging. They can simply be opportunities within duality to see both sides through love instead of reacting, but responding with love instead of all of the other emotions that could make it more challenging, more disruptive, more mm -hmm. chaotic. So this is the beginning of a, of a much more, I don't know how to say, maybe holistic sense that, that through love, we can accomplish anything and everything because we can see all viewpoints as equal. We can see all viewpoints as part of the whole to make us step away from the, the dualistic separating energies that we are so used to experiencing and moving that into more of a unity conscious experience. So this is a pretty auspicious uh, point it, starting tomorrow. And it also feels like it's one of those times where we're being asked to shed something as well, that division and polarization uh, it, it seems to me in this particular world right now, things are so, it's seemingly black or white. And, you know, when we look at human design, where that plays out is in the gate 45 or 49, excuse me, and it's called the gate of revolution. And it's kind of a keen insight that you just spoke there about evolution and maybe it's revolution because I think revolution, you know, it's R before evolution. So we have the R pushing the, the extra nine energy there of the R uh, bringing completion of something, some old way passing on into the new or giving way to the new. And uh, it's up to us now how we're going to handle that. The responsibility is ours. It is. Yes. And you mentioned the Aquarian feel to this energy. I want to point out that the close of this 13-day period also ends on a Southern energy. And this Southern energy is enlightening. And that's the energy of being able to see things from a universal perspective and being able to have very idealistic vision. So we're starting out with the loving energy of let's face the the dynamic tension with unconditional love and heal the separation. And we're ending this 13 day period, integrating whatever we experience with how do we put these ideals in place? We've worked through this, let's, let's let the idealism carry us now, which is kind of interesting to have a universal perspective. Mm. Also, as far as the Aquarian energy, you ask about that. Yeah. I'd, and you ask if I had a feel about it, my Venus energy um, in the Venus, Ariel Gutman's Venus star pattern, which is very much part 
of the system that Cullen and I use and that I use in people's charts. I am an Aquarian morning star. So that means that I carry the Aquarian energy and I know that feeling of electric excitement of something new is coming in because that's part of the energy that I carry. Uh-huh. So what's exciting that's coming in? Undefined. <laughs> I will tell you this, Cullen and I have been feeling ever since solstice, heightened sensitivities, more awareness of other realms, um, we have a really funny thing to report. Go ahead. I love it. I love it. Since, since the night of the solstice, we have noticed that our sense of smell has become absolutely heightened. We are more sensitive to everything in our environment that, that we're taking in through the sense of smell. It, it's, P and I have always been sensitive with our, with our senses, but the sense of smell has just blossomed. And we're not only smelling 3D normal things in our environment, but we're also smelling smells or scents that are coming from somewhere else. They're not 3D orientation. They are coming from some other experience. And it's amazing. It, it's like seeing colors differently. We're smelling smells differently. Interesting. is one of the things that's changing. I also think one of the things that's changing and coming to us is a heightened sense of intuition. I think mm. all of our intuitions are getting very, very strong. Um, Cullen will often ask me when we're driving, should we go this way or that way? And I'll ask, and sometimes I'll get a picture flashed in front of me of a roadblock or a danger or something in one way, and I'll say, go the other way. Not always, but it's increasing. So that's sort of, that's just one tiny example of how intuition is increasing in multiple ways. So that's definitely something we have to look forward to. Yeah, so heightened sensitivities, that goes along with uh, the other systems, right? Human design uh, is also yes. pointing us in that direction. There is a gate of the smell, a gate of smell, and it is being activated. Uh, right now because of uh, integrity, which it's so interesting that smell ends up being connected to the different types of integrity, right? There's the physical integrity of something or your, of your own body. There's the integrity that is much more uh, ethics and transparency oriented. Uh, so we have a, a connection now with integrity being connected to our sense of smell. So maybe you're smelling a new integrity coming to the world. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be, that would be one, nice. wonderful. And that's, that's also an interesting thing to talk about just briefly. I think humans used to be much more involved and alive with our senses. I think and this is going to be something that I talk about a lot. And a lot of people don't like this subject matter, but I will bring it up anyway. Um, the more we become involved with technology, the less yeah. we're involved with nature. And when we were more involved with nature as, as the beings of nature that we are still today, our abilities through our senses um, and including what Pia said, intuition, were naturally much stronger. When, when we gave up our absolute connection with nature so many, many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago, when technology really began to, to, to blossom and develop, 
we have gotten further and further away from nature. And I think what these, these rememberings of our senses is because we realize we have to be part of nature. We have to be more involved with nature. And so I think these things are linked actually. This is coming up on purpose right at this time of absolute technological explosions. And that's what the Pleiadian Earth Energy System of astrology is all about. And I'm sure that's what human design is all about, is putting us back in contact. Human design is a recognition that we are part of nature. And right. the Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology is a recognition that we're part of nature. That's why I like to do charts for people, but to give them what their energy is in depth to understand how to participate with the energies. So the more we explore and the more we understand it, the more we can celebrate it, be involved with it. Absolutely. In fact, in human design, it's all about body wisdom, right? That somehow we've given over control of our senses to the mind. And there is not a person on the planet designed to make decisions or integrate anything new with their minds. It's just an awareness tool. It helps bring in ideas and inspiration, but it's really not meant to be used as the tool of decision-making that lies below the neck in the body, in the body, your body's really the sense organ and not your head or your mind. Uh, even though some of the senses move through that particular part of the body, everything decision-wise comes down lower. And speaking of sensitivities, what you just said gave me entire bodily tingles and goosebumps because <laughs> what, what you just said is absolutely the truth. And when we get these kinesthetic little messages, if we get a tingle or we get, we get a, a goosebump reaction, we can completely rely on the fact that the truth has just been spoken. Truth, truth bumps. About, yes, yep. yes. And what you just said about the body being the resource of the repository of wisdom is so true. I'll tell you something funny if we haven't shared it with your listeners already. <laughs> Colin and I met, we were on a walk by a river and I mentioned to him that I was a psychologist and the first thing out of his mouth was, I don't believe in talk therapy. And I started laughing and I said, neither do I. <laughs> I'm a psychologist. I work with the body. That's what I do. So <laughs> wisdom in the body, but we, we've been in attunement with the fact that the body holds the wisdom for a very long time. Yeah, and that the mind is really sometimes just getting in the way, interfering yes, um, yes. instead of in support of. And I, I'm trying something new every night as I go to bed. It's not necessarily new because I've done it before, but I'm just trying to make sure I'm doing this consciously is that I'm actually, before I go to sleep, tuning into what stories I've sort of told myself all day long about what's happened, about you know who I've been with or uh, experiences that I've had. And checking in and, and making sure that that story isn't the truth or is it the truth. And so then I have that opportunity to rewrite the story. And it's interesting because there have been little breadcrumbs all week long about this. As on Monday, I have this women's group that I meet with. And one of the women said, oh, I got my book today. And I'm like, what book? And she said, my Do You Quantum Think book. And I went, I have that book. And not only do I have that book, I've interviewed that author, and it's such a profound wisdom in that book about the, the proper use of the mind, 
that I instantly purchased that book for my daughter. And now we're going to work through this, this information because it's so profound, the power the mind is holding over us right now. And it's creative energy that's holding us to this old paradigm. And, and, you know, I think it's about time that we really realize that we are actually creating everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. Even, even the things that we don't necessarily want to take you know, responsibility for that don't appear to be something that I did personally, but on a collective level, we're participating in this. So uh, I think it's a worthy endeavor for us to all get some clarity around what am I creating and what more is possible? That's a big question I keep asking myself right now. I, I think I think that is a tremendous piece of information that mm. everyone needs to look into. And Larkma has, has said something forever to us in the public. Be curious about what else is possible. And that's exactly what you just said using other words. But that is really important because we need, we need our curiosity to help guide us so that we don't become stuck in grooves or old patterns or old paradigms. Right. So curiosity is a great springboard for creativity and spiritual advancement. It's absolutely essential, isn't it? Uh, so I have questions for you, but I, I want you to take us real quick, Pia, if you can, to uh, the 20th, which is the inauguration day here in the US. It happens to be, what was that day? Five choosing. <laughs> Tell us how profound that might be and what it might mean for us all. It's another Southern Energy Day within an overlying Southern Energy period. So a day opportune for a lot of growth. The universal energy or the cosmic energy of that day is five, which is the energy of change, which is appropriate for an inauguration. We are making a change. And choosing energy is really about how we deal with each other socially. Choosing energy can be very immature and very reactive or choosing energy can be very, I wanna be make everything good. I wanna make everything harmonious and very higher vibration. And the very fact that it's named choosing energy is giving us a clue that we need to make a choice and how we either respond or react to whatever's going on on a particular day. So that energy on that day in synchronicity with the inauguration is a real clue to the American people and people in other countries who are watching what's going on also. Pay attention to how you either react or respond to what's going on. Notice that it's a day of change and choose your reaction or your response. Hopefully more people will respond than will react because reactions always hold emotions and responses come from the heart. So <sighs> breathe. Yeah. yeah, breathe, breathe, breathe. Um, so shall we take some questions? Sure. sure. All right. So I have to look at my phone for this. And I got a new phone over the holidays. So it needs me to put it up in my face because it has facial recognition. So Asa says, a question from Ursula. How can we individually meet our Pleiadian guides to support their, their planetary evolu evolution? How can we individually meet our Pleiadian guides to support their planetary evolution? 
I bet she means our planetary evolution. Too. I don't think we can support the Pleiadians. Yeah. Evolution. I don't think they've already been there and done that. Right? Yeah, I, yeah I, I think that they're helping us, not us helping them. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, actually, we're helping each other because, ah. because they, they want to learn about us as much as we want guidance and our learning from them. They make it crystal clear that this is not a one-way street or a one-way avenue. We are as interested in you humans as you are in us. So it's a, it's a collaborative unity agreement, not just a one-way situation. Nice. To take, to take that answer a little bit deeper, we would say um, how a person meets their guides depends on their own spiritual awareness and their own advancement and level of growth. Your guides may be Pleiadian, they could be angelic, they could be, they could be any kind of number of guides. So we have no idea if someone has specific Pleiadian guides. If you're asking about when you say our Pleiadian guides, humanity's Pleiadian guides, we offer the service with LARCMA where people can join our free international live calls twice a month. We have one coming up on Sunday to meet the Pleiadians and hear what they have to say about what we're doing to help our planet evolve. So that's one way to meet Pleiadian guides. There, there's a very, very easy and simple way of connecting with guidance, as Pia just said, no matter what, what it comes from, the, the David kingdom, the angelic kingdom, the fairy mm -hmm. kingdom, the interstellar kingdoms, of which there are so many out there waiting and watching to see what choices we're making. But a very simple way is simply to become quiet whether that's someone's idea of a meditative state or just slowing down, being quiet and simply asking, I would like to connect with whoever it is that, that, they're, that they're wanting to speak with or to communicate with. Let's say it is a Pleiadian connection. Simply asking, I would like to connect with you. I would like to be involved with your energy, who you are, what you're doing here to help humanity. And by that simple asking, whether the person actually hears something or feels something isn't necessarily important. What is important is beginning that communication. Mm -hmm. Simply inviting in, I am interested, I am willing, and I would love to speak or to feel the energy of other kingdoms. The other thing that people might want to consider is something that we have been advised and that we know internally anyway, is that these higher vibratory beings don't enjoy contact with lower vibrational energies at all. I imagine anybody who's wanting to grow and evolve is aware of that and is trying to be at the highest state they can be. But one thing that can help is looking at what you take into yourself because what you take into yourself you're also putting out in the world and our pleiadian friends larkma say that there's two things that can help you with making connection with other realms and one of them is to eliminate sugar because sugar is poison and toxic and it cuts cuts the communication so you can't really communicate with other realms and the other thing is to choose your diet from a position of ahimsa do no harm because if you choose your diet from a place of taking life, 
you're in a lower vibrational field and you're nurturing yourself or trying to with lower vibrational death energy. So one thing to consider in making these connections is how am I thinking about what I eat, what I take in? That's so profound too, because uh, I mean, that's also in your book that you have here, the, the manual for accelerated growth, evolution and ascension. Why did that look backwards to me when I was reading it? Um, uh, in human design, we're also seeing a shift, a morphing and evolving uh, solar plexus that is also taking away, right now we're three parts, one part animal, one part human, one part in, uh, angel, angelic. And it's the animal connection that's leaving and that puts us back to, you know, 50-50, angelic and human. The result of that is our increased compassion and love for the animal kingdom and the inability that we will have to want to eat them any longer because we'll be feeling and intuiting the pain that they're feeling uh, in a lifetime that's cut short or in the way that they are killed and then we ingesting that. So we're seeing this natural, and I'm not saying, I know I'm going to hear it from all the meat eaters out there. Uh, I'm not saying that you have to stop eating meat today, but it's a possibility that as time goes on, you start to intuit that this isn't working for my uh, evolution anymore. So I, I'm releasing that and moving naturally into that new energy of, of plant-based eventually solar based where we will not even be ingesting food it will be light and yes. i'm not saying that's going to happen tomorrow or the next day but within the next 400 years or so that is seemingly the direction that that we're headed to so i love it again coherence we're seeing the same things you just gave both of us full body goose. I know, I got a two down my arms, down my legs. Uh, okay, so thank you. That was a great answer for that question. Let's see, we have another question here from JLo. Are the Pleiadians connected to any certain animals here on Earth? I think the Pleiadians love all life, not anything in particular. We, when, when we were speaking in public on a regular basis, which we did for many, many years. If participants in the audience were to bring a dog to the auditorium, people were always a little skittish thinking, well, it, would it be acceptable if I brought my dog companion with me? And people would ask Larkma, how do you feel about having this animal here in the presence of everyone and your presence? And Larkma would always talk at length about how important animals are in human animal love, communication, participation. And I would agree with Pia. I think they are absolutely in love with all of the animal kingdoms here on earth. And one of the ways we know that is because when people connect with Larkma, sometimes in a personal synchronization or evaluation session, they will often tell us afterwards that their dogs and cats very quietly snuck into the room <laughs> and, and either got in the person's lap or, or very quietly sat down at their feet. So we know there's a connection there that's absolutely, it, it's absolutely truthful. It's so awesome. I love animals. I mean, they're just to me, something that's just magical about our planet is the animals. Uh, okay, another question uh, from Rita 
uh, Golden, I think is her name. What advice would you suggest for reflectors? Well, that may be something. So a reflector in human design is an individual, a, a very loving, sensitive, emotionally open individual. So high sensitivity because they have no centers that are defined. So all they can do is take in the energy from the planet, from their people of their around, from their animals, uh, and reflect what it is that uh, is around them. So, and, and that means if they're surrounded by negativity and anguish and upset, then they're taking that in, it amplifies and they rebroadcast it. So reflectors are very much, we all want to have a reflector in our midst, but they're the rarest individuals on the planet, less than 1% of the population, because a reflector in your midst is gonna tell you how well you're doing. So what they see, what you see reflected is uh, the, the relative health of uh, your community or your family, et cetera. So uh, I don't know that Pia can actually answer or even um, Colin can answer this question because it would seem like that's more human design oriented and I just now lost the total questions. There we go. We have some thoughts. We have a few thoughts we can share. Share your thoughts. I love it. Okay. <laughs> you two and your big smiles. <laughs> well, well, I would, I would in, in my lexicon of, of the language that I use, I would call a reflector uh, empathic intuitive. And, okay, that works too. And um, what, what I would say about this is everybody, Every single human has the capability of being that receptive, reflective energy. Many, many of the members of society and, and humanity have stepped away from that because it was simply too painful for them to, to live in a way of collecting all of that information, all, all of those feelings, all, all of that psychic stuff that came to them. And I think everybody has the capability of being a reflective or a, an intuitive or an empathic person. Potential. Potential. Potential, yes. Yes. Um, I think we have to be very careful. I would classify myself, if I get quite personal here, as an empathic intuitive. And I have been unable all of my life to shut off everything that comes to me. It, it comes to me 24 hours a day. It, it, my best time during the 24 hour period is between four o'clock and six o'clock in the morning when there's so little psychic energy whirling and burbling around. I can be myself almost 100% at that very early time in the day. And for me, that's a great time to meditate and mm. a great time to just be who I am intrinsically, personally. What, what I think that, that reflectives can do is simply realize that all of that information can simply come to them and flow through them without them holding onto it, without them causing it to stay within their energetic field. And as they learn to just let it flow through them, they can acknowledge it. I feel the anguish. I feel the pain. 
I feel the rigidity. I feel, I mean, a laundry list of things that, that we can feel, but simply let it go through and not stop, not clog our energy field. And by doing that, that lessens the impact greatly. I would add to that and say, if someone is an intuitive empathic or reflector, whichever label we want to put on it, yeah. that it's also more important than ever for them to choose their environment. If you're in a dysfunctional relationship, a dysfunctional family, whatever it might be, recognize that it has served its purpose and pick another environment. Don't cling to old loyalties that do not serve your development. And your Absolutely. Be loyal to yourself and your own evolution. So that's a really key point for anybody who is, well, for everybody, but particularly those people who are sensitive at that degree. Yeah, and have a and in in human design speak, that's have a lot of openness in their yes. their design because that's where they're taking in and uh, becoming conditioned by all of the energy around them. And what you said, Colin, uh, is this? My teacher says, become the screen door, not the sponge. In other yes. words, just to let things flow through, not to take it and hold on to it just let it go let it flow Absolutely. yeah Absolutely. all right there was one other question here um uh oh that's a good question ursula uh any comments on the tall metallic monoliths that have been showing up around the world lately are they fake any comments well we, <laughs> I, I don't really know what to say but we know people who have seen them have have been to areas where they are in evidence. And we know a couple that, that found one. They, they were in its presence, in its energy field. They went away, came back another day, and it was gone. Mm. And it was in a very remote place. And they have no idea who placed it or why it removed itself. And the, the possible idea is because they saw it they were the only ones needing to see it for some reason, symbolically or energetically, it was for them to see. And in that act of being seen, it finished its, its mission. I, we don't really know. We do, we do have an intuitive sense that it's something about changing the energy, that there's something positive about them and something energetic, but we don't have any more answer than that. Could they possibly be seeding the information, the new codes for a different reality that we have access to coming up? Quite, possibly. quite possibly. Yes. I mean, it certainly has called our attention to the more mystical. And of course, you see all the scientists working their tails off to try to explain it in uh, what makes sense terms. So of course, it's, you know, other people are planting them, you know, it's this, you know, conspiracy theory of people that are coming out to do that. It's possibility, but also, isn't it possible that it is something that is more of a mystical nature than than we think? We think it's something larger than a conspiracy. It's something of yeah, a more positive I, nature and intention. Yeah, we, I kind of got that feeling too. We we think it's about symbolism, actually. Mm. Um, the these monoliths could be modern day crop circle energetic generators or receivers you just took that thought right away from me oh <laughs> and, get out and, of her head <laughs> <laughs> which is happening more and more all the time to us but, but, it, but this could also be 
connected to the symbolism of crop circles where we're being given these, these visual appearances that have codes in them in order for us to reawaken to something we already know, but that we've forgotten. So it's possible that the monoliths and the crop circles are actually symbolisms being given to us from outside energies to help reawaken us, just simply reawaken us. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I just think that, you know, um, ETs are speaking and they're us, right? They're, they're actually us. Uh, okay, so I think there was one other question that I wanted to get to because I thought it was interesting and now I've got to find it. It had something to do, oh, here it is. Would you like to ask Pia to tell us any insight she's gained post Uluru winter solstice and galactic download or upload to share? Well, maybe we've been talking about that all along, but is there something specific that comes to mind for you, Pia? Well, I think that we would say the things we were talking about of increased sensitivity and increased intuition is directly related to that. We were at the highest point where we live, the highest point on the top of the mountain that night and had a pretty amazing, interesting experience. It was well below freezing, totally cold, mm -hmm. nobody else around. And the sky had the most interesting waves of energy coming across we'd ever seen. The clouds were of a different shape and size and the colors, the colors were otherworldly. It was totally amazing. And we just stood there and watched the clouds at the time of the solstice for about an hour. And then as the sunset and the solstice time was passed, um, the sky opened up, the clouds disappeared and all mm. of a sudden it was clear, bright and we could see all the sky and we could see the grand conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter with perfect vision straight from our eyes. Lovely. There was a, a chill bump kind of feeling of something big is going on. Nothing we could specifically say couldn't define, but we both felt it really clearly. Th this is really important. What, what we both got simultaneously was, we don't know what the heck is going on, but we have a much more positive, a much more um, less anxious, less, less, Oh, I don't know what word to say. Can you maybe concerned. more optimistic? Yes. Less, yeah. less concerned. Less concerned about what is coming. I think we were given the grace of realizing that whatever does come to us is absolutely perfect and it's exactly where we need to be going. I'd say that we were given the grace of a higher sense of trust, a higher level of trust. So we mm. hear all these things that are going on politically, medically all of this stuff, banking, we hear all of it. And we just kind of look at each other and go, yeah, we have to go through this. It's okay. It's going to work out all right. And there's this sense of trust without being able to see the way forward. Whereas all of last year, we were continually saying, what do we need to do now? What's the next step? We don't do that now. We know that we're being shown and yeah. we're trusting that energy. So that's the biggest gift that I can't think came from Uluru, the Grand Conjunction, Solstice, point of energy beautiful 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 uh so any final words things that you want to share insights from larkma anything that's coming up in your world that you want to share with the listeners today i think we'd like to hear from your perspective what's going on right now 
Yeah, uh, I was checking the time and I'm like, oh, wow, I have a whole page worth of stuff to talk about in just a few minutes, which is fine because I can speak fast. I know I can do this. Uh, but first, before I do that, let me just say thank you for your keen insights, for the energy that the two of you bring together. It's just amazing. And I can't wait till we can put our our, uh, well, we can open our minds and see how the possibilities might show up for us to work together in a different way or in a just a, an elevated way. Uh, and I just wanted to say too that what you were talking about as far as last year and the feelings that you had, that's a very Capricorn sort of feel. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now we're in the process of closing out that Capricorn energy. And we have been, uh, as Jupiter and Saturn both passed out of uh, Capricorn and into Aquarius. And literally the only major piece left in Capricorn is Pluto, and he'll be there until 2024, 2025. But right now, as of today, we have some interesting energies built up in Capricorn again, and that's Venus, Pluto, and the Sun. And that creates a stellium, astrological speak, for uh, a, a three or more planets that are sitting in the same sign. Now, some astrologers might not call it a stellium because Pluto and Sun have been in a conjunction and Venus is still a ways behind. But as Venus and the Sun are both personal planets and affect us, it actually is time, I think, for us to put things in perspective from 2020. And maybe even if you have to go back more to like 2018, when Saturn first moved into Capricorn, and what are the lessons that you've learned? How have you learned or become more sustainable or more conservative? And I don't say that word in the political sense, but more in a conservation, good stewardship sort of frame of mind. And right next to Capricorn is Aquarius. And in Aquarius right now, we have Saturn, Jupiter, Mercury, Pallas Athena, and the moon is finishing up her transit of uh, Aquarius energy uh, sitting here today. So that is a, a much more uh, powerful stellium and it will be only added to as the sun is five degrees, five days about from moving into Aquarius. Venus will come into Aquarius February 1st, and it puts a lot of focus in Aquarius wherever that is in your chart. So the focus is on revolution. That's one key word for uh, Uranus being the ruler of uh, the sign of Aquarius. There's preservation. We kind of switch from this idea of conservation to preservation, which feels more active. It feels like more of our responsibility to preserve what's right, what's good, what's um, happy, what's, you know, all, all the, the good in the world and to move into the context of how can we add to it as we go into the future, because future orientation is Aquarian energy. And with Saturn and Jupiter, they're still three degrees apart. So they're very close still. It's not like they split and, you know, Jupiter sped ahead, although he will. Uh, so we're still, you know, the two of them together remind me of breathing, breathing, because Saturn is more constrictive and contracts and Jupiter expands and uh, they work together to sort of help us grow, but have boundaries so that we're not going, you know, off into space. And you add other planets into it and they add their own special flavor, the sun shining light here, Mercury changing our conversation and our minds, the content of our minds. Pallas Athena, she's an interesting one here because I think she's really, 
she's she's really a wisdom goddess and she she brings us both the ability to have the feminine warrior and we all know feminine warriorism is different than masculine warriorism if that's even a word uh but this solves or, or stimulates our mind and our thinking to elevate to a new level and uh loving order and problem solving but of a new order like a new level uh evolution sort of in that revolution uh issues of fairness and justice coming up here as well as becoming wise and using what we know in positive ways instead of taking knowledge and turning it into weapons which we have done as well so we have a lot going on in that aquarius energy and this weekend uh, the moon will move into Pisces. And I, I love this too, because with one loving being the next uh, overlighting energy that we're going to experience, um, Pisces kind of softens everything and brings us into that more compassionate, mystical, uh, connected to our higher selves kind of energy, where surrender and trusting in a higher power in the rightness of what is happening uh, brings us into that more balanced and uh, peaceful sort of uh, energy for the weekend. It brings us unconditional love where forgiveness and tolerance and acceptance are the order of the days. And literally this will begin later this evening. For those of you on the East Coast, it'll be about 5.18 this evening. So for me on the West Coast, 2.18 PM. Um, and then takes us all the way into the very late evening of Sunday. So we have the whole of the weekend to contemplate and to create a peaceful field of energy, perhaps using some of your times and your talent and your intuition uh, and love energy to surround the planet, enveloping it with the potential for loving instead of conflict. And I think that goes a long way to helping uh, some of the energies next week that are gonna be very wild, right? We have these wild weeks lately, today, last week, this week has been a wild week, next week, probably wild as well. <laughs> and uh, especially because the sun shifting into Aquarius really seals the deal, if you will, on uh, that that new um, uh, change, that, that movement energy. As far as uh, the negative side or the less positive side, let's say, of the Piscean energy for the weekend is victim mentality. And that's where we uh, play the blame, shame, guilt game and become defeatist. I mean, these are, we have to take the negative in as well, because it's a possibility that we're still dealing with some of that uh, energy of addictions and disappointments and that victim mind. So if that shows up, then you're just going to want to love that as a part of your experience and do see, watch it sort of release and uh, transform uh, over the weekend. In the body, the wisdom of Pisces is about the feet that grounds us to the planet, the feet, uh, colds and influenzas and all of those kind of germy little things are also Pisces related, Neptune related as well uh, as uh, Pisces rules the lymphatic system in the body. So how you are able to move through uh, in a healthy way to uh, battle toxins or poisons or uh, invaders into your body system. So I think we have a really good weekend energetically from the moon. Um, the only major aspect is going to be Jupiter coming into a challenge to the planet Uranus. 
uh, by square. So a square is a 90 degree relationship between the two planets. And that relationship can sometimes create challenges or obstacles that we have to move through. Jupiter in a square to Uranus uh, is building through Saturday, becomes exact on Sunday, and it stirs up that restless energy that we're holding. Any place where you're still holding anger, it's probably going to get whipped up. And now, maybe not for you as individuals, but if you think of a group or a community who's been already into conflict and division, which it's the possibility that that's being stirred up. It has that sort of rebellious edginess to it. And it's tricky energy. It's risky energy as well. So I think all of us together who are in the know, we can use that Pisces moon energy to really put the intention out there that uh, there are more positive ways of expressing rebellion or there are more positive ways of expressing uh, conflict. So, and, and that is actually activated as well, even on the 20th. So we're not getting away from that Jupiter square Uranus like that. It's gonna take some time. Now, and those two planets are transpersonal. One's transpersonal and one is more collective. So likely it's not so much about you personally as it is about what can I do as an individual that helps to soothe that energy through uh, the field. And that's where you each come in is in your ability to pray peace is how I put it, or to contemplate a, a new spiritual story or a new story for planet earth about how we made it through this time, even in the face of conflict, because we came together as a community and lifted ourselves up to the highest expression possible. And you, yourself being mellow and serene and peaceful, really add to the potential to keep that energy, you know, down. It's not that we want to squelch that energy, because it's, it's positive if we express it in a positive way. And it does represent that change that is happening on our planet. Look at that. I did that in less than 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So, Asa, any last questions from uh, everybody out there visiting us today? Uh, if so, please let me know. And uh, Pia and Colin and I sort of set up a schedule for our next three visits because uh, this was our last one that we had scheduled. So we, it looks like for the next three months, February, March, and April, they will be with me on the third Friday of the month, which for February and March will be the 19th. And in April will be the 16th. So thank you all so much. Thank you too. It's always a pleasure having you here and we have fun, right? It's what it's all about. Show, this, this is great fun. Th this is one of the highlights of our month, actually. The connection, <laughs> the connection that we create together, the three of us equaling creativity, is it, it's it's a boost to our lives. So we are so appreciative that you include us in this discussion. I love you guys. I love what you represent. I love the direction that that we can create together moving forward, kind of you know, moving the evolution on this planet ahead um, in the right timing. That's always the right thing, right? So we have this time every month we come together. It's in perfect timing to whatever it is that we need to learn and to uh, share with one another. So thank you for that. 
And for all of you who are listening, thank you so much for coming here this morning to hear uh, what uh, Pia and Colin have to say. And let's see, uh, Tom Wright would like a card for the collective. Oh, okay, let's do that, shall we? And uh, I have a deck of cards. I'm, I don't know that if you guys are aware of this, I'm gonna have to dip out because they're down here at my feet called Galactic Heritage Cards. Have you seen these before? No. Um, well, it's all based on our different galactic brothers and sisters. So uh, sometimes it's Sirius, Arcturus, the Pleiadians. And let's draw one of these cards and see what wisdom from the galaxies there is for us to hear, to tap into. Thank you, Tom, for that, that reminder to do that. I usually do those readings on Friday. And this deck, by the way, is by Lissa Royal Holt. And you can get that deck called Galactic Heritage Cards. And they're pretty profound, actually. And I get a Vega card, Logic and Reason. Interesting. So here's the card, number 26, which is an eight. The number of that heart-to-heart -heart connection. I love that number, abundance and heart-to-heart. -heart. Let's see what that means for us. Card 26, logic and reason. All right. In the very ancient days, vegans were very balanced in their mental and emotional bodies, but later their practices of discipline created an imbalance of logic and reason. They learned to ignore their emotions, judging them to be inferior to the mental experience. Emotions are an essential part of the human experience and must be expressed alongside our thought processes. Look at yourself honestly. Do you lean more toward focusing on the mental body, logic and reason, or more toward expressing emotions? Both are important, but in moderation. Balance comes from honoring both equally. One of the biggest karmic challenges of the ancient vegans had to do with how they used their self-discipline to develop the mental body. In this era of the vegan civilization, they had a challenge with overdeveloping the mental body to the detriment of the emotional one. This eventually led to challenges in their offshoot races, such as the Zeta Reticuli and Earth. Many humans have connections to this time in vegan history and still have challenges in being able to balance the emotions with the mental processes. If this card comes up in your reading, look at the other cards surrounding it. Well, we don't have those, but that's okay. You can still look and see as if your habits and patterns have taken you into uh, being overbalanced in one way or the other. It could be a message that you need to lessen your reliance on the metal body, mental body for navigating through reality. It might also mean that you need more grounding and should develop your mental body more. As you look within at your connection to this idea, you can see a clearer picture of why this card came up in your reading. Interesting, logic and reason. Too much is not a good thing, right? I think that's a good card in light of everything that we were talking about. Get out of your heads and into your bodies. All right, <laughs> Tom, I hope that uh, helps answer whatever question you might have had today. All right, everybody, take care. Please have a wonderful weekend. Be at peace, create peace, breathe peace. Peace turns into love and it's love that we need on this planet. Uh, again, thank you both for joining me this morning. I'll see you next month, but maybe we can have a conversation before then and take care everybody. Have a stellar day.